Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? It's time to breathe. Thank you, Jim Cunningham. So now, let us begin movie line exercise number one. Please, press stop now. As you can see, the movie line is divided into two polar extremes, salt and candy corn. Salt is in the negative energy spectrum, and candy corn is in the positive energy spectrum. No, duh. Excuse me. No, duh is a product of salt. Now, on each card is a movie podcast dilemma, which applies to the movie line. Please take this. Thank you. Please read each movie podcast dilemma aloud and place an X on the movie line in the appropriate place. Druida? Nathan has an important podcast today. He has known about it for several weeks, but has not decided on the movie. In order to keep from failing his podcast, Nathan decides he will cherry pick a mainstream movie he has seen 1,000 times. Good, good, very good. Now, Mr. Darko. Jack-Jack finds a drawstring bag on the ground filled with movie genres. He takes the bag to his co-host, Drew, but keeps the best genre choices for himself. I'm sorry, Miss Farmer, I don't get this. Just place an X on the movie line in the appropriate place. No, I mean... I know what to do. I just don't get this. You can't just lump things into two categories. Things aren't that simple. The movie line is divided that way. Well, life isn't that simple. Who cares if Jack-Jack returns the grab baggins and keeps the genre choices? It has nothing to do with either salt or candy corn. Salt and candy corn are the deepest of movie emotions. Okay, but you are not listening to me. There are other things that need to be taken into account here. Like the whole spectrum of movie emotion. You can't just lump everything into these two categories and then just deny everything else. If you don't complete the assignment, you'll get a zero for the day. (sighs) Donald, let me preface this by saying that your five-star review scores are intimidating. So, let's go over this again. What exactly did you say to Miss Farmer? I'll tell you what he said. He asked me to forcibly insert the movie line exercise card to my <laughs> anus. <laughs> oh. Oh. I think I'm going to add like the dad's like <laughs> snorting. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Fills podcast uh, where we give you a uh, movie review, uh, a different movie of a different genre. And this occurs oh, fortnightly. Right. Fortnightly. And uh, tonight's uh, genre is cerebral science, and we mm. bring to you 2001's cult classic, Donnie Darko. Bam. Bean, bean so footage? I, I'm assuming everyone, yeah, bean footage? Ro- yeah, bean, yeah, bean, bean footage. I'll bean you. <laughs> Wake up, Donnie. I made a new friend. Real or imaginary? 
I'm going to tell you a little story today about a young man whose life was completely destroyed by fear. Tell mom and dad why I stopped taking your medication. So I'm assuming everyone has seen yep. this at least once. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, any past history with this? Was this just sort of a, a random movie in the past? Did, did it quite have the, I don't know, the impact or at least the notoriety it did when, uh, when it came out for me? Uh, you know, 2001, it came out in January 2001. But I don't think anyone actually saw it in the theaters. Yeah. I know I didn't. No, 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 this no. was this was definitely a like a home rental. Uh, this was something that I watched quite frequently with my friends at her parents house all the time. It was it was like her dad loved it. She loved it. It was on all the time that and a video concert of the band Oasis. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're like, oh, we're, we're oh. almost like interchangeable in that household. That's two and different ends of the spectrum. Donnie I mean, Darko, I, Oasis, two different ends of the live spectrum. concert. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, lots, lots of experience watching it. Really liked it as a kid. Frank has always been with me and, uh, you know, stuck in my head as one of like the creepiest things on this planet. And of course, now I cannot think of anything else other than Donnie Darko whenever I hear Mad World. Ooh, good song, too. I I, I, I watched this, I think, twice, uh, both kind of later on in college uh, in the girl dorm. There was there was two girls that were... Mm -hmm. Oh, the lady dorm. Uh, you, you were in the girl daylight, dorm? Like, you can be in there, you know... <laughs> uh, During the daylight hours. Did you leave room for the Holy <laughs> Ghost? Oh, the Holy Spirit was, <laughs> was right there. Um, frowning. No, I'm just kidding. Ooh. I'm, ooh, that was not good. Oh, sorry about that. God, it drew edit the hell out of that. Oh, man. Whoa. No, that's staying in. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that no, at no, all. No. You will be judged. It was uh, planned, Nathan. It was planned. You can't change it. I think this was the right movie for the right time. I, Because I, I don't think I, I saw this until at least several months after September 11th. And this movie sort of is in an upside down world and it felt for at least a few years a couple of years after 9-11 that we were also living in like an upside down world so the the two sort of just seemed to go together in the time and place as far as the like the whole what the fuck is going on aspect of the movie and what was happening in our culture at the time but this almost feels like when when i look back on it now is almost like the vertigo or the uh like the birds of like Hitchcock, like where it's 
of the of the genre, it is the like the foundation. Like every, I don't know, like just when you think about this topic, you you think of Donnie Darko and just how iconic it is. It's crazy how how many parts of it that I was like, has this always been in my brain? Like I forgot how much of this, and it's not even a uh, like a crazy blockbuster, you know, film. Drew, drop the the knowledge of of how the budget and shit. Well, okay, so I mean, we can the budget itself was about six million dollars, and it didn't make back a great deal. I think it made back like six and a half million dollars. It was not. It was very. To, it wasn't it was, widely released. No, it was not widely released. I mean, it started. It first was released in Mexico, and then you in the U.S. at the Sundance Film Festival, like the same time, and then the next release was Germany. I mean, it it barely made its budget back. I mean, it's not... I, I feel like it's, yeah. like, one of the first, like, indie movie darlings. Like, right. And and thank you, Drew Barrymore, for Flower Productions for actually making it happen, oh. which is her production company. And, I mean, w- without literally without her, like, it wouldn't... It wouldn't have happened. But, I mean, Nathan makes a good point where certain films fit into that cerebral science category and it kind of paved a little bit of a pathway where, I mean, you had things like, you know, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind to come out. You had uh, Dark City, which I believe was a couple of years earlier. It, it, I think it had to have been. And uh, yeah, yeah late like, 90s. Yeah, late 90s. And you had Pi. I mean, more modern now you'd have Inception. All right. As cerebral science, which was a contender. But, you know, looking back, I'd have to say that this was the first movie where, uh, you know, and I was, you know, barely 20, 19 or 20 when I saw this, where you were like, what the hell did I just watch? I don't mm-hmm. understand it. And it begged the rewatch where you would sit around with your friends and you would sort of dissect it and you would find little Easter eggs here and there. Uh, and, you know, now I think it's, it's, you know, it's very approachable. Uh, and I think it's just a well-crafted movie, which is kind of stunning because the, the director, Richard Kelly, really hasn't done much since uh the only thing i I remember from his filmography was a a terrible movie called i hope they serve beer in hell Um, (laughs) yeah but i feel like this movie is well crafted well shot the cast is amazing like the montage scene when they first go to school and they're playing head over heels by tears for fears i just think that's just a wonderful scene that just captures like 1988 suburban America, Um, Mm. but not a 1988 suburban America that any of us ever really experienced. It's sort of that idealized, like, you know, the big old school that nobody actually ever went to school in, you know, the, the uniforms and, you know, it, it's just, you know, I, I, I love this movie. I I, I do adore it. Having the first line of the film, literally, I'm voting for Dukakis. <laughs> and the dad's just like, uh, what? Well, would you guys <laughs> agree that the family is is very believable? Well, no, of course it is. Because, I mean, part of the film itself is like it's a it's a take in making social commentary on like upper white suburbanites. And I mean, the the family incredibly seems familiar you have like the not so much elevated to the idea of like the waspy parents but you have the well-to-do parents mom is looking rather regal and yep. you know sitting at dinner McDonald. drinking wine yeah uh, stands with fist oh is that and, oh my god it is yeah it is stands with fist <laughs> 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 
and then just like the kids just bickering back and forth at the table. I love that. I'm not yeah. squeezing one out until at least I'm 30. When can I squeeze one out? Not until eighth grade. Excuse me. Yeah, uh, Holmes Osborne <laughs> plays the dad, which I think he played the dad quite often in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s. But Lots I, of TV. Yeah, lots of TV. Yeah. But I feel like the parents are very identifiable. Like we've all met somebody like... Right. Mr. and Mrs. Darko. Yeah, and I I think a lot of the characters in the throughout the film, you have people that are, and this is kind of what makes the film itself as a whole like approachable. You have almost like unrelatable characters that are relatable because you you know someone who it is, but you can't quite put a finger on it, so it's familiar enough. And then we've got Seth Rogen in his first <laughs> big screen credit, where the first line in his first big screen credit is, "I like your boobs." <laughs> I, I like your for him, you know? I mean it's <laughs> I, well at least like a young Seth Rogen I could see <laughs> I could see that being this, this whole movie is just absolutely riddled with people in it that you're like oh oh you're holy shit you're in so many things now or or just they were big right you know, like like Swayze you know gotta pour one out for the homie that's oh man eight so years bad. later yeah he yeah pass definitely away. Uh, which he uh his his uh, wardrobe was his own. He brought in his own suits from the 80s, <laughs> which I just think is hilarious. I, I love the fact that, you know, Jake, I, uh, he actually he kind of like, you know, um, not necessarily like put up a fit about it, but he was very adamant about like, I want my sister to actually play my sister. And, you know, I, I and it, the dynamic of it worked incredibly well, like that scene just at dinner, which were brought into. In, like the dialogue seemed like something that they For probably sure. had actually had uh, that conversation beforehand. <laughs> fuck face. Did you just suck a, a fuck face? I watched suck an interview fuck. with Jake Gyllenhaal and he talked about when he did this movie with Maggie and how like Maggie is one of the few people in this world that like keeps him like really accountable uh, in terms of like acting. She'll she'll like hmm. on set be like, why'd you do that? Why would you that? No. Or she'll be like, no, that was good. That was like, that was true. That was pure. And just is very, very blunt and honest with him. Yeah. Does not care about his feelings. Will just wants the absolute best out of him. And again, really kind of an interesting little, hey, like brother and sister being brother and sister in the film. You don't get that off that off. Well, yeah, and it really showcases Jake Gyllenhaal's you know, acting ability at such a young age, because now he's a household name. Right. But the the sort of energy he was giving off as Donnie Darko, it, it I don't think many other actors of the age at that time could have pulled it off, because if Gyllenhaal had failed, the movie also would not have had the same yeah. effect on oh, the, right. the uh, audience itself. I mean, for, for me, like, the first thing I remember, at least off the top of my head... Uh, seeing Gyllenhaal in was October Sky. And that was something that I don't know why, but we watched a lot in like science class if there was not anything to necessarily do or even history. And so we watched October Sky. But and it was like perfect enough because it had only just like a smidgen of cursing. And it was it was so good for the classroom. Just a, a little just a so kiss. Jenna Malone a kiss. never ages. Uh, like mm -hmm. I don't understand how she is 36 <laughs> years old in real life and when I saw her in this I was like first of all when did this movie get made like it, it has the feel that you know net, looking back on it now you're like what was this 1992 like 93 oh holy shit 2001 like 
man, like, I guess, I guess film has come a long way in 10 years, you know, just like quality wise. Oh, she plays a great, uh, you know, the, the great love interest and the, uh, Mm -hmm. she's really remarkable as well. Girl next door, sort of. Yeah. But she's in so much stuff, like, like just from Hunger Games, she's in the new season of Goliath. Mm -hmm. You're just, you're like. She she's done Why well do for herself. Why do you not look like you're getting older? Well, because some people just don't age, dude. I mean, just I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, I loved her in 2008, The Ruins, which is one of my favorite, like under mm. under uh, rated and slept on horror movies. Mm. But uh, Beth Grant. So let's go over this again. What exactly did you say to Ms. Farmer? I'll tell you what he said. He asked me to forcibly insert the lifeline exercise cart into my anus. <laughs> I love her as a character actress because she is the perfect woman to play like that uptight teacher, that church mom, the deacon of a church or something. With, but then like again, the, I mean, just, or with her beehive sort of. Yes, always. Updo. Or, or, or like, you know, like the, uh, I mean, she, not to like downplay her, but like she has the look of, and I really hate to say it this way, but for today's audience, she has the look of like an older Karen. Oh, definitely. And, definitely. and she would just be up in your face about it. But just looking back at her you know, career from like Speed to No Country for Old Men, Little Miss Sunshine. I love little things that she's done recently in... Um, Oh god, uh it was um Willie's Wonderland. She was the sheriff. Oh, uh, Willie's Wonder Willie's Wonder Wonderland was a great little gem. Yeah, no, there's a lot of people that I mean like I mean, I'm sure it just it happens, but I mean the dad and the mom both also appeared in like ER back in the 90s with no which I'm just, everyone was in I'm ER. sure everyone was in ER, but I mean like it's interesting to see just how many people that eventually like end up in a movie together have like, you know, crossed over and done a show of the uh, of the same one. Well, I find it interesting that the scene sort of following uh, when Donnie Darko burns down Jim Cunningham's house and they find the kitty porn dungeon, which I love just the term that's like that. That's actually saying. what they called it on the news, <laughs> like some sort of kitty porn dungeon. And people didn't seem to really bat that much of an eye at it. They're just kind of like, oh, yeah, kitty. Yeah, OK. Well, I mean, well, the, well, the daughter did. A lot of stuff went up with that. The daughter was shocked and the mom no, was not like, really concerned. You but you hear that shit on TV like you turn off. What? Who? 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 But here's this? the thing, like, but it okay. So I I can't really say the impact or the you know outcry that would have come from like you know late '80s news coverage of that. But even today, if you hear that like someone was caught with like child pornography or even a celebrity possibly had child pornography, you're just all like, oh okay, like yeah. a, a celebrity that was on a very Christian centric show with lots and so lots of siblings. Gonna, I don't think it's going to be as shocking as like some people are probably going to be thinking. Seven yeah. seven. No, the one of the diggers. Oh, uh, which <sighs> that that one kind of made me upset. It was some TLC show where it's like these, these parents had like eleven billion kids, oh, and now they're oh, all seventeen and ca- nineteen and counting. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The older, the second oldest, uh, or was it the oldest son yeah, was like I, inappropriately touching like his sisters. Yeah. This was and then, this was pre Jared from Subway. Right. And I mean, Nathan made a good point with uh, the dad from Seventh Heaven. That made me so. Yeah, I've... that was that was that was like disappointing, I think. But I don't know. It all it also seems to like 
you know what? I'm not going to be shocked by really anything anymore. But uh, back to uh, Mrs. Miss Farmer, the the gym teacher. Uh, Drew, you're absolutely correct. Where she is able to just really play on emotion. So uh, again, the scene uh, that I was talking about earlier, the montage where you're sort of going through the school to the uh, head over heels from Tears from Fears, and it shows her meeting up with the principal. Uh, and she's talking to Jim Cunningham and, you know, there's no dialogue. And then they walk over and they meet Drew Barrymore and Noah Weil. And you can, as soon as they approach, you can see her face change to sort of like a, I don't really like these people. And then when, uh, she gets approached with the newspaper, like the, the girl approaches them with the newspaper mm. that has the headline about Jim Cunningham on it, just the shock, uh, on, on her and the principal's face. And so the very next next scene and she has her hair up that's almost like her armor but the only time you see her hair down is when she goes to mrs darko to see if she will chaperone the girls to star search 1988 and she has her hair down and it's just a completely different look for her where it's almost like she's showing like a little bit of vulnerability where she has not allowed that to happen the entire movie because she's she's really been carrying it up Sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. But it's not even going to change. I mean, like, she's still, you're right. She's, she's wounded. She's, you know, she's distraught. But even in her, like, moment of need. She's still she's with still, the backhanded com- compliments. Still, like, right, I would never go back. to anybody. I would, you'd, you'd be, be the, the last, last one that I would go to. I seriously, I'm starting to doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> <laughs> but what does that say for for her that right, she's willing like, to like pawn her children off to go defend a pedophile where it's like this isn't some nefarious scheme where like they planted kitty porn in this guy's house and then burned it down like that's what i that's that's what i don't get but that's what i see mirrored more and more in our sort of our more modern political climate where like so much like how much nefarious shit do you have to get away with before people stop defending you on, on both sides mm. too like both like oh yeah both sides of the aisle just churn the blind eye to their own and go like oh no 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 like don't worry about uh like what their their husband does um you know with with contracts of this uh caliber but but it's crazy that she like like you guys like you said like lets her children like you're the last parent that i would send them with but you're sending them with wait <laughs> if there's a parent that i don't feel comfortable like watching you know, Ethan or like, yeah, yeah, go to this, uh, this playhouse or, you know, like one of the, like, oh, what is it? Get on a plane yeah, and fly like, across whoa, whoa, the country. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, I'll let the pedophile, uh, burn. See, and, I, and I'm wondering if she actually even really like a hundred percent disproves of her parenting or if it's simply based off of like, you know, like two instances that she's really just kind of like, you know, she's dig, she's dug her teeth into it. And she's holding on tight, which is going to be when Donnie told her to shove it up her ass. And the only other time that I can possibly think of is when she basically called her out at the PTA meeting when the PTA meeting is not for deciding what books should be and, read. And, that and, pissed me the fuck she's off. She's like, not only am I a mother, but I'm she's a like, teacher as well. It's like, you're like, the fucking gym teacher. Gap. Like, come on. And, she, and she's like, I'm the only one. <laughs> 
I am the only I one the cards. who can who can say what needs to be said. Uh. No. <laughs> Jesus. I wonder if she even like read the book or if she just like was told that it was bad. Because I had a, I had an experience like that where I went and saw Ray Bradbury speak when he came to Bakersfield and he he uh, he gave a speech at East High School and he was going to be discussing, you know, his work and his life and everything like that. And just previously in the week or a week before, I think they were going to be discussing The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison and all the controversy around that book and whether or not it should be allowed in current high school district and these, these old biddies were behind me and talking about and just like bad mouthing the book and just talking about all the, you know, the atrocities and, and the content and it's not appropriate. Nah, 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 nah. I turned around and I asked him and I was like, I'm sorry, ma'am. Have you have you read the book? And she's like, no, of course not. Why would I read it? And I went, OK, good to know. Shut up. You can't talk about something. You have no idea what it's about and you should not be running your mouth. Yeah, that infuriates me till no end. And I think that this garbage should be removed. Excuse me. What is the real issue here? The PTA doesn't ban books. The PTA is here to acknowledge that pornography is being taught in our curriculum. It's meant to be ironic. Excuse me. You need to go back to grad school. You doubted her Sorry, commitment I will, to Sparkle Motion. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Two smaller roles that Duvall playing Frank. Now, is there any relation mm. or is that unrelated to Robert Duvall? I think it's unrelated. Well, I think all I know unrelated. is he was in Independence Day as one of the kids. And he's like, your father should be very, you, your father's a hero. You should be very proud. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah like, he's the older, <laughs> he's the older son. Uh, and then Jolene Purdy, <laughs> she is in a ton of stuff. Like that girl is working hard. She didn't lose a lot now, of weight. But she is owning it. She was in, like, uh, Orange is the New Black. Uh, what else? What else? What else? That, her yeah. her role really puzzles me, I think, the most. And that's one of the, because like, I feel like I've answered most of the questions or reconciled most of the questions that this movie brings up. But I still am unsure what her, is, like, what's going on with her and the earmuffs. And, like, when Donnie Darko is talking to Noah Weil about uh, time travel, like, she, it's almost like she can hear them, like, through the walls. It's not like she's eavesdropping. The bigger question that we need to, like, discuss, and it's probably going to take the next 30 minutes of our, our podcast, but what is this movie about? <laughs> and, like, what is our interpretation of mm. this movie? Drew, do you want to start? No. Oh, I'll, gosh. I'll go first. Um, okay. <laughs> it's sort of, uh, you know, like a time, I, I, like from a Star Trekian point of view, it's like there was a, a split in the timeline where Donnie Darko should have died on October the 2nd, I think. But he was sort of lured away by uh, Frank to... Um, sort of survive and in that that month's time those 28 days he's able to experience you know at least some fulfillment of life but knowing that it's going to cost him and if he doesn't go back because i think what they're they try to portray is that you know frank obviously gets shot in the face and dies but also he saves the life of probably his mom and his sister because it's their plane that the engine fell off on now they don't explicitly say it 
that, uh, you know, the plane crashes, planes lose engines and can still continue flying. But I sort of think that, you know, he is able to have a girlfriend, lose his virginity, you know, party up with his friends uh, and, you know, at least reconcile that that teenageness of his life before he knows he has to go back and uh, reset the timeline to where it needs to be. Or else, you know, his, his mom and sister might be dead. Uh, definitely uh, his girlfriend is dead. And uh, Frank as well. So it's sort of one life. Uh, his life is able to, to save the lives of, of at least two, but maybe up to four others. If not more, if, if the oh, plane did if go down an entire the, plane full of people. Uh, the timeline, because like the, the dark cloud, like, that's some bad shit that's happening. Like, who knows if it's just going to like kill everything or, you know, like... With, the end of the world so well the end of that that world that world yes drew go ahead what what... i mean it kind of plays into also one of the segments that we'll be discussing but i mean it is about like chaos and that is like our lives and that is our universe and everything everything will eventually like come to an end and if it can be done in the right way and if it can be beneficial then all the better for it but i mean kind of like as you know, Miss Sparrow had said all living creatures eventually die alone. It's it's a sad kind of like understanding of, I guess, reality. But I think it's also kind of a sobering one because it's incredibly transparent. And I think it's one of those ideas that if you make the best time of it and if you also understand that, you know, time is not going to be stopping for you, maybe you should be rethinking the actions that you have and whether and you know i mean if you go into the idea of like fate and free will that's a whole nother that's a whole nother discussion yeah especially when you get into like the whole god's path thing that that i kind of shied away from so that's where i started kind of going "Ooh, this is (laughs) nathan's like i'm gonna pick that up right there and and on that note so the whole (laughs) like um dot you know one dying for many sacrifice all of this very very like christ and uh biblical kind of like how the whaling had these weird like little biblical you know, little crumbs illusions you're like ooh, what's what's this num, 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 num. Oh, Is just this? like the you know the temptations that jim cunningham you know premarital sex drugs and alcohol Dottie darko does all, all of those things and so yeah. it's it's a a weird but then he also like exposes those things um you know does the kind of the flipping of the tables of the church and you know brings down parts of those establishments uh when he puts the axe through the uh like the the mutt the the statue the uh, false idol the false yeah yeah like it it all kind (laughs) of like (laughs) the biblical flood of the school ding ding so it it has these little moments of that where um i think that it it lends itself to, but along the lines of this timeline split and him having to restore it, just this weird, like, biblical kind of taste of what happens when, like, this one person has to make the the choice to sacrifice himself for others. And, um, you know, is he troubled? Is he... Because there is the other side where it's like, well, maybe he's just a weird kid. And... This was all his like kind of head trip of him actually really just dying. 
but oh, see, I I love it because we've got three different interpretations of this movie, but no, neither of us are really and, wrong. Yeah. And there's uh, right the director was kind of like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I don't want to settle this. Like, I like that people think about this and keep this going. Jake Gyllenhaal even said in an interview, he's like, I don't him know what and, the movie's about. Him and Seth Rogen, I guess, <laughs> yeah. at a rap party, were just like, do you know what this movie's about? Yeah, like, I, don't, oh, I don't know. What this it, is was, about. it was fun. And, and I think that's really what plays on the rewatchability of this movie is a lot of the ambiguity uh, that it it leaves a lot up to the audience. And not only mm-hmm. the audience, but the individual to decide what this movie is about. I mean, I'm sure people have taught classes about the meaning of Donnie Darko. People have probably written term papers about the meaning um, of yeah. Donnie Darko. But I think that's... They made, they made an unnecessary sequel. Which I, I did not watch. Either. Uh, don't but uh that that sort of plays into a little bit of the magic of this movie where yeah i could have gone with inception and inception is is a wonderful wonderful movie but this was the first of its kind that i remember watching and just being like wow i need to see that again like what did that mean uh it's sort of like uh you know the whaling you know it leaves a lot mm. of breadcrumbs around but it also leaves it to the individual to decide what the meaning is and it's not a not a hard film to like go back and rewatch the second rewatch was not like a here here we go wait like where it's well i feel there's, like i'm it is a longer it is a longer film, but there's no wasted time wasted, in it. I don't like, think sh- like each no. scene has a purpose. There's no nothing that you could really just like. Oh, they could have cut that but out. Even the way that it's filmed, some of those scenes are so good. Like the camera angles and the graphics, obviously, are not the most held up graphics of all time, but they do fine and they keep it. You know. They keep the rewatches at least doable. Yeah, Ling Ling finding the wallet, and then Donnie Darko finds Jim Cuttingham's <laughs> wallet. Uh, you know, it's cellar door on uh, the blackboard in uh, Drew Barrymore's class, and then they find the, you know, uh, was it Grandma Death's cellar door? Yeah. Great nickname, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the movie also gives the audience breaks of you know some levity and some some comedy like the the interplay that that dinner scene at the very beginning with the sucking of the fuck and squeezing it out the uh the breaking down which is a conversation i feel like the three of us could have at some point about the smurfs and uh <laughs> you know smurf et and the uh you know there how does that work in a in a biological sense that, that uh, scene felt like it came straight out of clerks I swear, like the whole, like, you know, <laughs> you think that the Death Star was just built by Storm. No, like, that was independent contractors that were killed. Like, you know, that's, uh, I, and I love, love those kind of conversations where people, someone else overhears and is like, what are you, t- why, why does that matter? Why are you even talking about that? But it, it does matter because have you thought about the people that died on the Death Star? No. <laughs> It's like it's just I mean, you're right. It's one of those random conversations where you think like, if Barney has this magic to make himself into a stuffed dinosaur, why wouldn't he just make himself disappear altogether? Why wouldn't he just come back when he wanted to? Why is the dinosaur there? What if the dinosaur gets broken? Both. <laughs> I can see Cody sitting just off to the side. Sure. 
I mean, you got Dane. Let me tell you where you're wrong. Yeah. Oh. Let me tell you where you're wrong. All right, Smurf, Smurfette, this broad. This broad. Oh, God, I can hear Cody right now say, like having this conversation. Like He's like, well, well, actually, Jack, that's not true. Like Cody would make this conversation far more entertaining. Well, um, is there uh, anything else we want to discuss or uh, or play on before we get into segments? Is there anything? Can we go over Drew Barrymore being a slightly, I think, effective yet awkward teacher and then getting fired but not really having the reason why she's being fired explained to her? Well, I I feel like it just stems out of the controversy of the you know the short story that they had to do the report on you know the uh, destruction is a form of creation and uh maybe he was just want to sweep that under the rug because he felt the principal felt that uh you know that may See, have now, been culpable uh, in the flood of the school right but it's again there's a lot of ambiguity you're to fire someone on but sure yeah that's 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 shaky ground to fire someone on i mean even if she was a new teacher I mean, maybe she would just be transferred to another school. And I don't know. I find it to be rather interesting, especially for such a, a school that's requiring like a dress code. So what I mean, even not that that necessarily matters, but why would you not know what your teachers are going to be teaching in their classroom? And then for for Miss Farmer to bring it up at the PTA meeting, she said pornography is being taught to our children. And I found that to be just irritating as hell. Well, but again, in the 80s, pornography way. was used as like a catch-all term for anything know, that just, you could consider obscene. It's, it's, well, it's, just, it's just one of those, like, it's like the, the, the trigger word to, like, make people, like, go up in arms. And uh, a, a little piece of uh, trivia that I did read uh, was the, uh, the fat guy in the red tracksuit. Uh, that, uh, you know, in the forest when uh, Donnie Darko tries to the kiss uh, the uh, his girlfriend for the Gretchen for the first time, she's like, oh, you know, uh, let's uh, let's not do this right now. And also there's a weird fat guy staring at us. Uh, and then you see him the night of the Halloween party. He's just like standing by the curb, same tracksuit, same sweatband. So the the theory is that, uh, or not the theory, but the that guy is actually an undercover agent for the FAA because the FAA is still so puzzled by the uh, engine that they had people shadowing the family uh, to see mm. if there was something going on with them. What? <laughs> because they caused the yeah the but jet you gotta to think fall. about it like where the hell like they don't know where this jet engine came from that's that in so, itself is a is a big thing it just didn't appear one day but it did it did so we can't talk we can't talk about what they don't know <laughs> or worried that they're gonna like go on the news or talk to people about it and so that, that's why he was like so we can't talk about <laughs> what we don't even know and he's like eh. I guess as good as mine, kid. And then uh, Alex Greenwald, who played Seth Devlin, the uh, uh, he played just a great bully, I think. And he was so like expressive and almost menacing as uh, Seth Rogen's little, you know, like Seth Rogen, I guess, was kind of his lackey. With his like thin, greasy hair, like semi-mullet. Five o'clock shadow in high school. Mustache and your greasy hair. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, anything else Just before we move on to uh, Sega Montes? 
All right. Uh, Segments. <clears throat> what happens if you tell mom and dad about this? You'll put Ariel in the garbage disposal? Goddamn right I will. The three of us all have older siblings. Have you ever caught them red-handed? And did you heed their threats of reprisal? So I'm going to get mine out of the way first because it's going to be the least entertaining. So my brother, who is one minute older. Yes. Yes, Real Phil's audience. If you did not know, Drew is a twin. But don't worry. We're fraternal because you can't have two people looking as good as I do out there. Oh, oh, but so. <laughs> All right. I, you know what? My brother was never necessarily the like rebellious one. So I never really caught him technically doing anything wrong. He did share a story where he said that he played like beer baseball, you know, like just I guess like chugging or drinking part of a beer at like each base that you went to or you definitely had to down a beer before you like, you know, made your hit and then, you know, tried to take your bases. He said that that took place, but I found that to be rather skeptical. But other than that, yeah, I never I never really found him doing anything, uh, anything wrong or I shall say this. Nothing wrong that I that I feel comfortable saying here. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Play your cards close to your chest. Well done. Uh, so my my sister is three years older than me, and there was it was sometime around the holidays when we were sometime in the mid nineties, where I was probably in the fifth grade or fourth or fifth grade, and she was in middle school, seventh or eighth grade, and my mom had dropped us off at the mall the Dayton Mall, uh, because she need to go to the grocery store to do like the big like pre-Thanksgiving holiday shop. And uh, my sister and I were supposed to uh, like, we had like a few bucks between us and we were supposed to buy like Christmas presents. And I was there with a friend and she was there with a friend. Most of my money ended up going into the video arcade. But I saw my sister had met up with uh, a boy and she was holding hands with him in the mall. And so she saw me, told me not to say anything. I still said something. (laughs) So uh, in... uh, at that time, elementary school let out slightly after middle school, because middle school started earlier, at least in our district in Ohio. And our entryway at our house was you walk in the front door, and it's an open entryway, meaning that in front of you are stairs that lead up to the second floor. And you can see, like, you know, the hallway and the bedrooms up there, and there's a banister kind of going across the, the top. So she had taken one of my, like, beloved childhood stuffed animals, which was a knockoff Care Bear. Not a real Care Bear, a knockoff Care Bear that had, uh, I think, a crescent moon and a star on its belly its name was yogi and she had used the uh belt from uh my mom's robe and hung it from the entryway as sort of like a i'm on to you (laughs) and like i i wasn't like i was old enough where i wasn't like you know like oh yogi but it was sort of like like just like a little menacing like you know you walk in you close the door and there's your beloved childhood stuffed animal just kind of swigging from the uh the rafters so to speak a little music box playing dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. 
Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing was, like, nothing was ever said between my sister and I. It was sort of like, you know, Sicilian message. Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. Like, okay, I, I, I hear you. I'm picking up what <laughs> you're bitch. putting down. Killing Yogi won't bring back your honey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's work this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine isn't uh, as entertaining as Jack's, but uh, it definitely happened where uh, my brother had told my parents that he was going to a friend's house, and uh, while we were at the, the bus stop together in kind of our respected areas, you know, the the high schoolers over here, the younger ones on this kind of other side, uh, but all waiting for the same kind of two or three buses. And I hear the word movie species and can't wait and i i kind of hop over a little bit and hear uh one of his buddies going like yeah man it's gonna be great like we're gonna get popcorn we're gonna get soda like i got money we're we're set like this is like you're sure you're good and he's like i'm good i'm good i'll 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 see you there and he looks at me Uh and i remember like making this eye contact with him and he just said Nathan, do we uh, do we have a problem? Like, you, and I, I kind of like I looked at him, and I remember like being. I want to see Natasha Henstrich's boots. I, uh, I just, I just said, can I have the orange GI Joe, which was Alley Viper, which is this really cool. If you ever look it up, it's it's just a cool GI Joe. Did you, you did you blackmail him? And sure. Paul, like right then and there, was just all, yes, you can. And <laughs> he didn't blackmail them. Like, okay. This is the price of my, my silence. And yeah, like my silence was it worth to you? And uh, yeah, I didn't say anything. And I'm and Paul went and saw the movie Species. You know what? That that's a cool looking GI Joe. I like it. All right. That destruction is a form of creation. This is a very intriguing notion and one we brushed upon uh, with the Fifth Element review. Uh, without destruction, those uh, little busy cleaning bots have no purpose. But this runs deeper to the bone. Is there something you could expand upon in our lives or society or, or culture uh, that resonates uh, when you read that quote? Is it good or bad or even necessary in your opinion? I may have misunderstood the assignment a little bit, but I have two. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to go with the two things that I that I put down. The first thing is, uh, whenever Ethan and I play Minecraft together, I notice that just it's it's almost like within him. He will say, "Ooh!" After I've just spent like ten minutes like building him this little house or whatever like that, or like putting some villagers in it, he goes, "Ooh, let's blow it up." Go and he'll tell me like where to go and get the TNTs. Like, oh, yeah, that one right there. Yeah, ooh, blow it up. Like, why do you want to? <laughs> why do you want to blow up? everything that we build but it's just i think that it's in us to want to to know that it's not gonna really hurt anything but we desperately deep down inside want to see stuff just blow up and i knew when i was young i loved little like anything i could make explode be it like buying a bunch of caps from cap guns and getting them all together and then like dropping a rock on it like i i loved that kind of stuff it was gunpowder was a a beautiful thing Uh, that's why i no longer have any gi joes uh (laughs) bottle rockets and bb gun but the second thing is it's weird that we condemn houses to then tear them down and then put new houses there when not all the time is that needed you know it's just that it's more work to kind of 
update and update. freshen up, and it's just, I don't know, just start all over. But uh, same thing, like, well, like the mall is just coming down, finally, uh, in East Hills. And I was so excited to hear that it was possibly going to be, like, an outdoor mall or all these different things. And I always thought, ooh, that would be, like, such a cool Ikea. Can you imagine if that whole place was just one giant Ikea where each one of those uh, stores was a whole new, like, room set up that you could walk through and be like, ooh, this is cool. No, 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 they're just going to tear it down and it's just going to be something else or, I don't know, it's... It's sad. I like when they get to get reused and the destruction has, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't require destruction. The creation can just happen from within, but yeah. All right. So, I mean, the idea for like destruction is, you know, a, a purposeful thing for things to have creation. I mean, fire is actually a great example. I mean, despite living in the state that's always on fire, uh, it will provide uh, new growth, you know, for the hillsides, landscape, mountain areas, etc. Uh, I mean, hell, even in like Harry Potter with, uh, you know, Fox, the phoenix, it dies in, in a burst of flames and it is destroyed technically and then it, it reemerges from its own ashes. So, I mean, it's it's continuous. Not to actually literally have things physically be destroyed, but even like metaphorically be destroyed. I can I can relate to this very much so. So like 2016 will forever live as like, the shittiest year of my life, hands down. All right. I was in a car accident, should have died. I had a seven and a half year relationship in, and then I was robbed with $1,200 worth of electronics being stolen. And it was just like a horrible time. But from all that, you know, kind of like, you know, pick myself up and let's just, let's go. Let's keep going. One of the best things that, I will say that has happened uh, was the beginning of this podcast. Oh, you get my feels. (laughs) And honestly, like that gave me like a sense of a little bit of, you know, rejuvenation and um, quite honestly, a bit of purpose. And yeah, like through bad shit happening. We stopped the bleeding. We stopped the bleeding. Zink. (laughs) Oh, come on. Give us a chance. (laughs) That's cool. So for for mine, it's a little bit more, I don't know, esoteric, but it's the destruction of truth in our modern society where there's not one truth there are now many truths mm. and uh those truths are 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 sort of you can go to different outlets for those truth if you don't like one version of the truth there are other versions of the truth out there or opposing versions to it where <clears throat> i feel like there's especially after going through the pandemic and everything and you know everything else in the political climate that, that there's not like truth isn't just truth anymore, uh, mm. and I, I don't feel like that's like that's it feels like something new or maybe an acceleration of an already ongoing trend where you know, it used to be like the big three. There'd be uh, you know Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC. But now, like if if one of those three doesn't satisfy how you feel, uh, you have even more outlying 
news uh and news is almost in air quotes places websites uh, that you can go to validate your own opinion or belief that is sometimes very not or the truth heavily opinionated uh, so like, that's that's something that uh, yeah that's so heavily mm-hmm. opinionated that uh you know you're not even making up your mind about anything or you're just like it's it's my team so that's our truth so that that's something that i think is a, a bad thing totally but, agree. uh yeah. All right. Sometimes, sometimes I doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion. Were you ever indirectly or tacitly affiliated with a group or organization? Something you might have tolerated only for a friend or loved one? Did you take that group uh, to Star Search, or did you tell the antagonist to fuck off? Uh, I'll I'll go first on this one. I dated a girl briefly in like. I don't know, 2013, 2014, and she was involved in a multi-level marketing scheme. Which one? Which one? And it was, uh, it was one of the, uh, (laughs) it was one of like the weight loss and workout supplements where you would get like the pre-workout shake and like the post-workout shake and like your meal replacement shakes. And there was like a, a fucking shake or a powder or a mix for like everything. I feel like, you know, it's like, this is uh, this is your pre-shower shake. So she took me over to one of their meetings, uh, which was bizarre where it's like, these are all like the, the five star ambassadors. And uh, it was elite president. Yeah. It was, it was really like fucking culty because the meeting we spent like an hour, they had provided poster boards and like stacks and stacks and stacks of old magazines. And we made vision boards. (laughs) where you cut stuff out of the magazines and you glued them up or taped them up onto the poster boards to like embody what your goals are and i was like this is so fucked up um and then i got uh pulled over into the kitchen to speak with a couple of the ambassadors and like they laid out like you know you could really be making a lot of passive income uh and uh i i was it was just not it was it was red flags and alarm bells all over the fucking place. So uh, yeah, I did not take it to Star Search, and I doubted the commitment to Sparkle Motion. Yeah. I assume Nathan has a story. I will uh, I will go because again, mine's not as entertaining. I want to say like I've really kind of been careful. I would maybe or I guess lucky with whom I decide to like spend my time with or hang out with or befriend. So I haven't really. I haven't really like come across anyone where I've had to like ultimately like 100% cut ties because they were just like super, super toxic or, you know, I just I wasn't going to be approving of what they were doing 100%. Um, Now, I will say that with the friends that I was friends with, there have been times where I have been left to hang out with the friend of the friend. Oh. No, <laughs> it's not about Cody. <laughs> Two appearances no, in one episode. Cody, Cody. No. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've I've been like left to like hang out with like the friend of the friend, and it just it was like awkward. It was weird. Like we didn't have that like mutual uh, connection, like there to like buffer or to like you know guide things along. So if they were not there, and you know more often it kind of became more and more where like either they couldn't show up or whatever like yeah it just like started to like let's we're just gonna cut ties with the friend of the friends because i have no real relation with them and 
it's nothing personal. Just I don't really know you and we don't really technically get along. <laughs> That's it, really. Yeah. Very good. <sighs> Much like Jack, there was a girl, uh, although she did not. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, she did not know me, know what her words were saying when she said it to a friend that I overheard. But Laurel Sandlin uh, in in high school, I overheard, and I had a huge thing for her, but unbeknownst to her, she never knew. She just was talking to one of her chick friends and said, oh yeah, wrestlers are hot. And <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> crawled up my ass, but I just was like, I gotta be a wrestler. And I'm gonna join the wrestling team. <laughs> freshman Did year, you? I joined the wrestling team. <laughs> I hated it so much. <laughs> Love I it. I hated it. First Love of all, it. I semi uh, like lower my eyebrows at my parents about it because I was already six foot tall and I was I should have been wrestling at like one fifty six ish. I was wrestling at one thirty five, so I was skin and bones, and then. I dropped five more pounds to wrestle at 130. I would shoot it on someone. I wouldn't have the strength to finish it. I would just walk around with them, on, like with my knees on the mat, while they're just like trying to push me off them. Because I just am like, oh, I have no strength. Yeah, it was horrible. And I'll never forget the coach at like the like the last practice. He was like, Zimmerman, I think next year you're going to be a captain. And I was just kind of like, I'll see you in hell. But before you finish, did you ever try to like flex that to her where you're like, of course. you're walking around she and you've got like, like your like wrestling team t-shirt on. You're like, mm. I remember I walked. You're going to be at the match on Friday. But you know what, though? I also was very malnourished. So I didn't have, I was so skinny, so I would wear my sweatshirt because that kind of bulked me out a little bit more than the skin and bones that I was. Um, and I was constantly spitting before matches because that's a thing, water weight, uh, before you like go and do your... Get the fuck oh, out of oh, here. No, this is, this is all next level, Drew. This is, uh... I just see Christian Bale, the machinist, like Nathan Lyon like, coming in. <laughs> Just sucked in. And, um, yeah, she didn't even recognize, like, uh, anything about, like, that I was trying to do. It was just kind of like, you know, just walking by, like, yeah, wrestling team, Kern Valley Bronx. So, promptly. Who's that? No one. Well, done with that. I, the, 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 yeah. this, that story warms my heart. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Cellar door. Uh, I love this seed. Please tell me about uh, one or two vocabulary words that uh, you adore. Uh, do they just sound right, or is there a story? Conversely, are there a couple of words you hate? Either they make you cringe, or you simply don't like to hear them. And and I don't, and not in like a like a slur sense. Yeah, mine's yeah. mine's are pretty. I'll, I'll go first on this one. Uh, the two words that I love, I love when people use the word lollygag. I think that it's just a great little, like, oh, there you are, just lollygagging. I'm like, ah, that's <laughs> I feel like Peter Griffin when someone says, I'm like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and erroneous. I love the word erroneous. 
ever since Wedding Crashers, when I when it was kind of first taught to me, I love saying it. I don't say it very often because I want to say it at like it's like a, it's like a birthday cake. You don't just eat birthday cake whenever the fuck you want. You eat it on your birthday and you're happy about it. It's something special. But once in a while, when I get to use erroneous, I love it. Oh, oh, oh! And, the word, <laughs> and we all know the word that Nathan hates is fucking moist. And, Ooh. <laughs> and I just had to get it out there. Done. Move it on. Um, I love the sound of the word braggadocio. braggadocio. There's just something, something about it that, like, if I'm able to use the word or just the 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 sort of the lyrical aspect of it. I also like the word assuage. Hmm. Uh, it it just uh, it feels like a, a, a just a great usage of the word anytime that you can like I I've said to my wife before like when she's mad about something I was like is there something I can do to assuage this and uh, she usually tells me to fuck off witter shins <laughs> uh, much like uh, Nathan's uh, witter shins mm, uh, caddy wampus uh, also oh caddy wampus. Um, but there is a German word. Uh, it is called Bachpfeifengesicht, and uh, we actually had a coworker uh, that we that my co- other colleagues referred to as Bachpfeifen. Bachpfeifengesicht is a term that means a person with a very punchable face. Okay. <laughs> and we've all met somebody that just within mm. about 30 seconds of meeting them uh, and now you know that there's a word for it Bach, Fife, and Gazik they just man they got a real punchable face I adore that there's only one word that I really don't like or makes me almost cringe a little bit but using the word snatch as slang for vagina mm. and there are so many worse names for vagina and i use the word cunt like pretty liberally but something about snatch just like it it's a it just feels like a dirtier version of it like uh, don't like it it still feels weird sometimes that people put so on like cunt being a word that you just cannot say and it's in England and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's a great word that they <laughs> use the, all, it's all the time. It's a favorite slur. Whereas in Australia, <laughs> that you uh, you call your friends cunt and your uh, uh, your nod friends mate. Oh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Let's see. So words that I really I, I do enjoy. Uh, I I really enjoy the words hope uh, continue. I also really I, I don't know why I like the word mook. To describe someone, which is uh, basically calling someone stupid and incompetent, but it sounds fancy. You mook. Flummoxed is a fun word. Kind of like flabbergasted uh, to describe a situation. There's not a lot of words that I don't necessarily enjoy because, I mean, it's it's diction. It's vocabulary. It's, you know, kind of what I do for a living. But I cannot stand when teenagers or even adults now... Say the word oof. I say woof. Is that is that a <laughs> no, uh, that's fine. That's fine. You're not sitting there like when someone says something like, oh, this went down and it was terrible. And you just hear out of the corner of the room. Oof. Oh, I just I hate it. I hate it so much. Because because <laughs> if they're, they're saying like oof, like, oh, that hurt. Or they're saying like, oh, oh, F. 
like or is it like of course or what no no it's usually like in a response to something ha- something bad happening like, ooh, like, so like, i mean that, it, like instead of ooh it's oof yeah it's the kind of that response of like ooh but they say oof that or you know i mean if you're going to take the more derogatory uh third kind of like evolution of the word when kids would say like that's gay are you guys saying boo or boo words <laughs> I was saying boo, boo words. <laughs> boo. <laughs> oh, mole man. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what would you guys rate this movie? I'd like to go last. That's fine. Uh, I will give Donnie Darko four out of five tummy futuristic worms. <laughs> Ooh, tubby worms. Tummy worms. All right. All right. There's, I think, 28 days from uh, that the Dottie Darko sort of gets to gets on an extended lease before he has to reset the time stream, head back to the uh, uh, di- diverge back to the normal time stream from the Kelvin timeline. Uh, mm-hmm. I-, I would give this probably a 25 out of 28. It's not a perfect movie, mm-hmm. but it's near perfect for me. Uh, there's very few occasions that I would I, I could truthfully say if I had some friends over or if my wife and I were watching movies and they turned to me or she turned to me and said, you want to watch Dottie Darko? Uh, I will pretty much always 25 out of the 28 times go, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's just, it's rewatchable. There's uh there's just so much to, you know, on the surface uh, and below the surface to to pick up a little Easter egg. So I, I do enjoy it, uh, but, but of course I do. I picked it. Donnie Darko is a sauce that you try at a restaurant that you didn't order, but are confused with the flavor complexity of it. After the meal and after the car ride home, you realize you've been analyzing the sauce the whole time and now currently are thinking about it while you're taking a shit. You casually interject the topic into conversations with coworkers and friends to see if they too have tried the sauce and have answers to the mystery it holds. Five out of six, what the fuck was in that sauce that made it so good? <laughs> Donnie Darko. I like it. And as, as a quick aside, we had uh, Mexican food last night and I had uh, enchiladas del mar. Uh, which which I always love, like the the little bit of Spanish that I know. It's like enchiladas of the sea, <laughs> or it's like uh, you know, like beef al pastor, beef of the pasture. <laughs> so I had uh, gotten up this morning. Uh, usually on the weekends when we don't have the boys, by one morning I'll get up early and and get our dog up and get her fed and take it out, and then my wife will return the favor the next day. So today was my morning to sleep in, so I wake up late and I get up and I use the bathroom and and I come out and my wife is like, "Are you okay?" And I just go, "It was Del Mar." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, she married me. Oh. <laughs> uh, and then there is there's no patreon for this one i decided to throw you guys a fourth segment rather than a third so uh we'll, we'll pick it up in the next one plus uh we'll pick it up we'll, we'll, we'll get better uh but we'll drew uh better. where could uh people find us and contact us and teach us well guys you can always hit us up on facebook and instagram just search for the real Feels podcast you can hit us up on twitter at real Feels pod or send us an email, realfillspodcast at gmail.com. But guys, 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 if you want to call the Tooch line, please dial 
376-0030. Do it. All around me are familiar faces, worn out faces. Bright and early to the daily races. (laughs) Give me Toochline. Give me Toochline. Toochline. (laughs) Give us a mad Tooch. Mad Tooch. Uh, uh, So, uh, what is uh, on the docket coming up? Well, coming up, we have Nathan. The period piece. Who's going to be bringing us, yes, a period piece. And it's a a good period. Maybe not the the best of pieces, but definitely a fun period. (laughs) All right, all right. All right. And then uh, December 1st, guys, which will be our 100th episode. Woo! Looks like we made it. <laughs> I will be bringing you an anti-hero movie. Ooh, and then uh, coming up before Christmas, we'll have my cult <gasps> classic. Ooh, two cult that classics be... in a row for me. I know. That'll be on the 29th, but guys, before the cult classic, it's grab bag it's time. It's the most wonderful time of the podcast of year. The year. I actually uh, put one of those presents that we got at last year's Scrabbaggins to work. I made chili from the D&D book, and it was not to my taste. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime chili... Okay, like, real... Two seconds. Anytime chili has cocoa in it, I don't know if I'm ever going to make chili that has cocoa in it. If as soon as I see it again, I'm going to go, nope, this is not going to be for me. This is not the taste I'm looking for. The... The only outlier, uh, Nathan, is uh, Skyline Chili in uh, sure, Southern sure. Ohio, uh, it, where you don't you, but you don't get a bowl like you don't order a bowl of chili from there. It's a topping. So yep. like Wienerschnitzel, like you don't go to Wienerschnitzel and get a bowl of chili. It's just <laughs> it's you're basically getting it on a coney or their iconic three or four way, which is the bizarre infusion of spaghetti noodles, chili. Uh, neon orange cheese and onions as soon as i land for this wedding jack i'm finding food (laughs) somewhere in ohio i'm finding food and saying what bring me the song of your people and put it on a plate and let me eat it there there i could i could point you in the direction of skyline chili now the the best way you can follow the river you you can eat it (laughs) you can eat it there in the restaurant but the best way for me to enjoy Skyline Chili is you get like a brace of conies, mm. basically. Uh, conies are their their chili cheese dogs. They're they're almost like hot dog sliders. Ooh. They're not a full size hot dog. They're sort of almost like the White oh. Castle of chili dogs. Oh, yeah. oh. So you don't <laughs> order one or two. You get like four or five of them. And then you get it to go so that the heat, and they give it to you to, in a styrofoam to go okay, box okay. so that the ambient heat and steam melts the cheese on top. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I feel it's best enjoyed. Because if you get it for the restaurant, it's just sort of a lump of sweaty cheese on the top, which is fine, okay. which is fine. But uh, this is my trial and error. This is my trial and error. All right, folks. Well, uh, wrapping up another episode for uh, Real Feels, the cerebral science genre. Uh, this has been the uh, the realist and the feelist. Why do you have that bunny suit? <laughs>
tears are filling up their glasses.